It was um, great to see and hear from Judy again. I'd like to welcome Scott to, to come forward and um, just to maybe introduce himself to you. Uh, and he's going to come and preach as well. So I'm absolutely delighted that yeah. you can come. We Likewise. met probably going back three and a half years. I was Bill invited me to the office and Indeed. met you. And um, you had a very important office, I thought, a special office. <laughs> why, why do you get a special office? I don't, I don't have a special <laughs> office, Patrick. It's, it's all a lie. Um, no, I, I, so... Um, I have the great honour of being CEO for, for CSW, so um, I get to use an office, but no, I'm it just really saying, wasn't. It mine. wasn't that special. It's quite small and dingy, actually, if I'm honest. I don't honest. even I use thought, it. How on earth could they put him in there? They wouldn't do this to <laughs> dogs or animals. Anyway, it, it was, was very not. good. <laughs> no, but you do a very special job, and you must have felt called to it. Tell me why you do what oh, you do. wow. Blimey, Patrick, that's a big question. Um, okay, it's such a. My wife and I spent five years um, traveling through Eastern Europe as kind of old school missionaries working with churches and things like that. And, and then when we came back to the UK, kind of obviously we, we needed to get jobs again. And it was it's like, I cannot do anything but. I cannot do anything but. But I guess work for the kingdom, just just loving justice. I'm, I was really compelled. So, so the reason why I kind of I'm stuck in this, can't do anything else. Um, I, I remember sitting in um, in Macedonia, a little town called Shukka, which literally, yeah, which is the largest Roma settlement in the world. And um, I sat there with three generations of a family just on the floor of what was like half a shipping container which was their home and just sitting cross-legged eating uh, salted tomatoes and drinking some little brandy and it was like just the this isn't right like just the the, the inequality that that i'm seeing here that their, their lives are broken beyond belief but so hospitable and it's like that's i i, I I'm just, I'm motivated by being like Christ, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, no prep, I've stitched him up, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's fine. It's good it's to about see what seconds comes, ago, see, Patrick It's was good to see what comes out when you are yeah, put on the absolutely. spot. absolutely. But you have an army of people. Well, it's probably not an army, but they do the work of an army, some workers. What, the main task of most people that used to work out of the office, how would yeah. you describe it to people that don't know? Oh, so, so CSW are um, a Christian human rights organisation. Our job, I guess, primarily is to raise awareness, uh, not just raise awareness, but bring about change in countries around the world where people experience crazy injustices because of their religion or belief. Um, so it's about shouting loudly about that. It's about raising campaigns, making sure that... that that your elected representatives are mine uh, in the UK or in, we've got an office in Brussels, one in uh, Washington DC, just to lobby for change, for justice for people. So our, our thing is about creating a movement that's going to bring freedom and justice to those that need it. Well, bless you. You're going to preach about that theme now, but I just, can we just pray for Scott mm. with thanks that he's prepared to come and share his time and his passion with us. Lord, thank you that, that, um, that you did break into 
Scott's life. First and foremost is your child, but mm. secondly, you've done a particular work on his heart and mind that makes him grieve like you do mm. over injustice and try to do something about it. And I pray, Lord, that you'd grant him and those he leads favour uh, to unlock the chains mm. of injustice and to set your mm. captives free. And we mm. ask, Lord, that you'd bless him now, anoint him as he speaks to us. May his message to us uh, be refreshed by your spirit. Mm. Give us ears to hear Amen. and wills to respond Amen. in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Patrick. Let me just grab my notes from over here. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? It's lovely and Christmassy in here, isn't it? It's like, this is amazing. Um, it, rem it must remind me, and I should write myself a note, that I've promised my wife that I'll pick up a Christmas tree on the way home. We're going <laughs> to... You've got loads of them. Maybe I could just... Yes. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for your invitation. Thank you, Patrick, for, for inviting me in. Thank you, church, so much for your support of CSW. It really, really does mean the world to us that we know that we've got people like you as part of us. I'm always saying that CSW isn't just me and Bill and other Bill at the back there who's one of our trustees. Um, it's not just the small team that works out of a new Molden office. It's not even that kind of volunteers around the world. It's all of you, those, that, those of you that pray and take action for those that suffer because of their religion or belief. You are part of us and I thank you for that. Um, and thank you so much for your financial support. Last two years have been a bit rubbish really, haven't they? Um, especially for charities, it's been pretty difficult. So we, we're just incredibly thankful. So, um, St. John the Evangelist, uh, John the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, when he was really, really old, like properly old, old, um, so that moment when you look around the, the congregation and you're like, oh, stop that. When he's properly, properly old, his disciples used to take him from house to house, from meeting to meeting. And they would wheel him in. They probably didn't wheel him in because they probably didn't have wheelchairs. But they, they carried him in and they, he'd, he'd stand and, and he, he would say, little friends love one another. And then they'd back on the stretcher or whatever and they'd carry him out and on to the next place and lift him up again. And it's little friends Love one another. And he'd do this over and over. Little friends, love one another. And he did it so often that one of his disciples came to him and, and said, Rabbi, teacher, why do you say that? Why just that? And the elderly John said, because if you understood only that, it is enough. If we only understood to love one another, it is enough. So this morning I thought we'd talk about loving the other, loving one another, if that's okay. We're going to get into that in a little while. But um, I just want to give you just a really quick um, introduction to CSW because I know that, that some of you um, will know as well and some of, us, some of you will know as, know as less well. So just to expand a little bit on that introduction that, um, that Patrick gave me just now. So CSW are a Christian human rights organisation. We work in about 26 
26 to 30 countries around the world. Um, whenever I talk to my team, it seems like we've picked up another one and it's just, it just keeps growing. So we do that around the world. We're, we're an advocacy organization, which means we speak to, to power and bring about change through our research, our advocacy through training. We do a lot of training on the ground in places where we, we work. We work for all faiths. So we're a Christian organization, but the, the, the message I want to get through today is kind of just loving one another and loving people that are not like you. So we, we work for, for Christians, of course, but we also work for, for the likes of the Yazidi, the Baha'i, the um, Muslims, the, the Rohingya, for instance, in Burma. The, we work for atheists sometimes as well. Because we believe that we were, we were created in the image of God and we were given the freedom to choose. That, and that's it's a God-given freedom that, that we need to to uphold and, and defend. Why do we do that? It's, well, this is not the reality in most of the world. Um, the majority of the world would live with some form of uh, severe harassment for their beliefs. It's just that the way it is. And that looks different all over the world. Some places that might mean you've got restrictions on your amenities so you don't get access to water or electricity. Or um, you might not have access to education or your education is limited because of, of your religion or belief. Um, employment as well would be, be true. And in other places, kind of more direct harassment, harassment of your family, could be arrest, arrest of your family, torture, disappearment in some places and, and sometimes, uh, sadly, death as well. Um, why do we do that? How do we do that? Why do we do that? So the, the, we work, we've got, I'm very proud to say we've got UN accreditation, so we work out of uh, Geneva and New York occasionally as well. Um, we get to go and lobby there. And within that, we work to Article 18 of the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, which basically is summing it up. It says you've got the right to choose your religion. You've got the right to change it, and you've got the right to practice, either by yourself or in community. We would also say we work for, for Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 that says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the right of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's what compels us in our work. So this morning, <clears throat> our passage this morning, as you know, is the, the, the Good Samaritan. It's a passage about, about the Samaritan. You notice Jesus doesn't call him good. We call him good. I guess can we, if we make him somehow different and better than us, then we give ourselves a bit of an excuse. But um, it's, a, it's a passage which really um, we've sat with at CSW for a good number of years. And it's really helped us to, to better understand why we do what we do, what compels us to work for those that are, are not like us. When I spoke to Patrick earlier this week, um, he wasn't convinced that this was the right passage to speak on. And uh, so Patrick was like, have you got anything else? It's like, well, I can. You know, I spoke last week on, on giving thanks in all things. and stuff. But really, I love this passage. Like, I just love it. And, and I, I kind of twisted his arm and said, please, can, can, we, can we look at this together? It's not a story about being nice. This is about the transformation of the world. This is the redefining of the neighborhood. Jesus sets about the new neighborhood in this passage. So it's, uh, it's in two parts. I'm just going to look at it together. So we're going to look at it, the first bit, second bit, and then I'm going to get into talking to you just about a couple of our neighbors, if that's okay. So the first part 
is this setup. It's the encounter where the, the, the lawyer, uh, the expert in the law, comes to Jesus and tries to test him, right? We know that. Jesus gets tested a lot, doesn't he? So <clears throat> he comes to, comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit t- internal, eternal life? Jesus gets quizzed again. And, and Jesus does this clever thing that, you know, we... Yeah, does this clever thing where you respond to a question with a question. So how do you see it? What's your take on it, Mr. Expert? You're the expert, right? He answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we know that's, that's from Jewish Deuteronomy and it's from Leviticus. This is the accepted truth. You know, this is the right answer. He's given a good answer, which is why Jesus says, yeah, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And I can imagine Jesus just turning to walk away. Now that's the end of the exchange. It's all done. He's given the right answer. Jesus is gone. But the, <clears throat> the expert wanted to justify himself. Wanted to, wanted to seem clever, right? He's in front of a crowd. And he wants to, to, to prove his status. So it's like Jesus is walking away. And he's like, what? But who is my neighbor? But who is my neighbor? He pulls out his final question, and it's really, it's the one that's going to trip Jesus up. It's, do you see this as I see this? Do you see my neighbor as the person that is like me? Do you see neighbor as, in, in um, Hebrew is Rhea, the close one, the near one? The, 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 do you interpret this in the orthodox way? <clears throat> and Jesus is, is like, Right, let me tell you a story. Let's get to this. And he goes on and, talk, and gives the parable, doesn't he? Which, the, the parable is held between this question from the, the lawyer, who then is my neighbor, and the challenge of Jesus, which is the last verse in 37, go then and do likewise. Everything gets changed between those two verses. And just to, to whiz through this, so we've got a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. So we presume he's a Jewish man, right? Because two Jewish towns. We know that it's, Jericho is a rich city, so perhaps he's got money, which is why he got robbed. He's uh, traveling alone, which I find odd. But that's a question to ask Jesus when I, when I see him and talk about this story. 17 miles. So he's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, 17 miles. And he gets mugged. He gets mugged, he gets beaten. They take his clothes, they take everything he's got and leave him as if he is dead by the side of the road. But luckily, and you can imagine Jesus talking to the crowds, saying, so uh, uh, luckily a, a priest is coming down the road. And um, you can, I can picture the crowd, like, okay, you can start nodding, kind of things are going to start going well here. But the priest sees the, the man in the gutter and just walks by sees him and chooses to walk by. Why? A priest can't touch the dead. It makes him unclean. He can't risk that. This is his livelihood, right? This is his position. He walks by. And then the Levite comes. And again, the crowd crowd are nodding. This is the the righteous man in your community. He's, He's not the priest, but perhaps he's the worship leader. And the Levite too just sees the man in the gutter and passes by on the other side, it says. 
touching the, the body for him would have made things really difficult, kind of just this cleanliness rituals that you have to go, you have to do if you've touched a dead body and it kind of just pushes you outside of camp and it's really inconvenient. So he, he leaves the man in the ditch. And then comes, then Jesus says, then comes a Samaritan. And we know, don't we, that Jews and Samaritans do not get on. Like this is, a, this is accepted, right? We, we know that. Jews do not go through Samaria. You know, to say there's animosity between them uh, is putting it very mildly. Like just don't, doesn't get, they don't get on. Like, um, the disciples in just the chapter before, I think Luke 9, have gone to Samaria. They're not welcomed. And they ask Jesus whether they can call down fire from heaven and burn the place up. That's the strength of feeling towards Samaria. So you can imagine the crowd sucking through their teeth going... Samaritan, eh? Samaritan is moved by compassion, cleans the beaten man up, uses his water, his water, his oil to bandage him, puts him on a donkey, pays for him to stay at the hostel and comes back to check on him. Now his ethic is one of love and you know, on one of the most dangerous roads in history, he's got this code that says, what is mine is yours if you have need of it. And then Jesus asks the lawyer, who was the neighbor to this man? And the lawyer cannot answer anything other than it's the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and care for the broken, stand up for the needy, show mercy, cross the road for a stranger, care for the foreigner and the alien, be a neighbor in this redefined neighborhood. I just want to pull out three principles from that story that, that really guide our work at CSW and, and perhaps, you, uh, perhaps you might chime with those as well. They're, they're principles of action, first, first of all. Loving your neighbor is an active process. It's not passive. It's about crossing the road. Go. Acts 1.8, we're told, aren't we? We're told to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Where is Jerusalem for you? Jerusalem are those people around you, right? This is your neighborhood. These are your friends, your family. That, that's Jerusalem to you. And you take one step beyond that, you go to Judea. And this is, these are people like you. They, they dress a bit like you. They share a common heritage. You know, they you're comfortable with them. When you've done that, you go to Samaria, and these are people that are not like you. These are the ones that you cross the road to avoid, if you're honest, those that, that are walking towards you and you're, you're a bit uncertain about what's going to happen. They're the foreigner and the alien amid, amongst you. And then when you've done that, <laughs> then when you've done that, ends of the earth. It's like everybody's included now. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, everybody's in action secondly humility adopt the position of a servant which is something we we do a lot at csw i think um, the samaritan put the beaten man on his donkey and led the donkey himself the crowd would have got that picture and understood that that the, the samaritan has taken the position of the servant anybody seeing that would have would have presumed that the man leading the donkey was the servant our job at CSW often is just to open the doors and let other people come in. 
we give the invitation and we, we allow those people from around the world who suffer for their, for their faith a space and a platform to be able to speak themselves. That's a lot of what we do. Thirdly, finally, uh, compassion. The Samaritan was moved by compassion. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. preached on this text quite a lot. Um, and he once said the real difference between the priest and the Levite from the Samaritan is the question that each must have asked. The priest and the Levite likely asked, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Uh, the, the priest becomes unclean. The, the, the Levite has to go and get himself washed and ritually cleansed. And, and the Samaritan asked a different question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? So he's moved by compassion and has to help. So those three principles, action, humility, compassion, are, are, are littered through the work of CSW. I just want to introduce you to a couple of our, um, our neighbours, if you like, the heroes of our work. There are so many that I could have chosen this morning. We could have talked about Leah, absolutely. Um, and maybe she'll come into the story in a minute. Um, I want to talk to you about my friend Yunusa Namadu, the CEO of uh, CSW in Nigeria, who doesn't look like that. He looks like that. There you go. The, the, we'll come back to the other chap in a minute. So Yunusa leads our team in, in, uh, in Nigeria. Our office is based in Kaduna. Um, Things have not gone well in Nigeria over the last couple of years, you know, where you've had, um, especially in the north and central belt of Nigeria, although also spreading out to the south. Um, you know, this is a wonderful guy. He wrote recently, and um, he started his, um, his piece by quoting Habakkuk 3, which kind of sums things up, really. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the food fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my Saviour. The backdrop is everything is wrong and broken and painful, but I will rejoice in the Lord. Now we've seen a um, significant increase in violence in many states across Nigeria, particularly in the north. Um, you know, I was talking to our team recently and Reuben was telling me that um, he, has, he lies in bed at night in Kaduna City, this is a city rather than the villages, um, and listens for the sound of gunfire and has to work out how close it is as to whether he needs to run or not, whether he needs to take his family and go. Um, Devita is our fundraiser in, uh, in in CSW Nigeria, she's already sent her kids to go and be safe with her grandparents because she doesn't feel safe in her own home. There have been over 1,100 abductions from schools and universities this year. You know, we think about Leah being taken, and we're praying like crazy and campaigning for her release, but there's 1,100 abductions from schools and universities just this last year. It's become a business. You've got bandits coming and taking people for ransom. They're coming and attacking churches, uh, turning up on a Sunday morning and, uh, and kidnapping people for ransom, particularly the, the pastor, particularly your, your vicar. Um, dare, dare, so do I dare, dare ask the question how much you'd pay to get Patrick back? 
<laughs> Please don't shout out. <laughs> I don't. He's actually saying that they might, you might pay people to take him away, but I don't believe that's true. Um, but for them, that, you know, that's a very real question. When your pastor is taken, how do you pay? Especially in the villages where they, you know they, there's not not a lot of money. Um, the villagers are selling everything they've got to pay for the release of their pastor. Um, and Yunusa said back in the summer, um, it was happening so often and uh, you know, just bankrupting churches and said, perhaps it's time for us to, to, to say for me to live is Christ and to die is gain and stop paying ransoms. In the, in the knowledge that that means that they will die. You know, that the choice is you pay the ransom or you die. So perhaps it's time for us to do that. We just can't keep doing it. So he's a hero. He's my neighbor. He finished his, uh, um, or he wrote, so the violence in Nigeria isn't letting up. Neither is the response of the security anything to cheer. Daily reports of killings, abductions, and attacks on community or religious-inspired killings of Christians have cauterized our sense of shock and surprise, a sort of normal existence within an abnormal environment. But get this. So, however, deep within this daily outpouring of violence is an amazing spiritual resilience that most survivors exhibit. We've spoken with, frequently with survivors of religious violations across northern Nigeria, and the attitude that comes out is one of, yes, they can kill us, burners and destroyers, but our faith in God remains unshakable. Amen? Eunice is my neighbor. Um, now we've got Pastor Lorenzo. Got it. This is probably my fault for writing the wrong number on the, on the sheet. Pastor Lorenzo is a church leader who's faced harassment from the Cuban government since 2009 when they destroyed his church, which was also his home. Um, Cuban government don't like church leaders, don't like any kind of religious leaders because you've got an audience and you don't submit to the state in the same way because you submit to a higher power. As Bill was, uh, was praying earlier, he's, he, said, he talked about these the unprecedented action across churches in, um, in Cuba this summer where you've got churches coming together really for the first time. Churches had tended to be quite isolationist in their approach but you've got churches coming together to pray for change in their, in their country. And that, that, those prayer meetings spread out onto the streets and became peaceful protests. And Pastor Lorenzo was taken, was arrested with his son, his 14-year-old son, during one of those peaceful protests. Um, his son was later released. Then we've heard that, that the Cuban government are pushing for a 10-year sentence for Pastor Lorenzo, primarily for disrespecting the state. Um, his trial is now, we found out yesterday his trial is now set for Wednesday so we'll be asking you to pray and campaign do whatever you can on Wednesday to um, yeah yeah to help um, we just got a video in from um, from his family which I thought I thought you'd like to see excelente, un esposo excelente, un pastor excelente, la excelencia la lleva en la sangre, pedimos su libertad. On the 11th of July 2021, Cubans poured onto the streets. 
They were protesting for fundamental freedoms and access to basic necessities that we would take for granted, like bread and medicine. Pastor Lorenzo Rosales Fiado was detained on that day, along with many others, simply for peacefully protesting. But while other protesters have been released, Pastor Lorenzo is still being held. He's in a maximum security prison and has endured severe beatings. El pastor Lorenzo Rosales hace ya casi cuatro meses preso injustamente en, en la cárcel de Boniato, sometido a grandes injusticias por delitos que, que no ha cometido. Eh, ha sido un periodo muy difícil para mí, para mis hijos, como familia, y ha sido un dolor insuperable no tenerle junto a nosotros. Yo tuve una manifestación, tuve a su lado la mayoría del tiempo y puedo afirmarle que, que estas causas las cuales imputan no, no son ciertas. No, no dio golpes, no realizó atentados, no intimó a nadie, no llamó a nadie a que, a que fuera ninguna ni que se dijera a ninguna, a que se dirigieran hacia ninguna obra. Estas causas eh, no son ciertas y hoy pedimos en este video su liberación. Estamos orando, clamando al Padre y sabemos que con la ayuda de Él, con el apoyo de toda la comunidad internacional cristiana que se ha solidarizado con, con esta situación, con nuestra familia, eh, obtendremos la libertad inmediata. Pastor Lorenzo is being targeted because he is a church leader. This is part of a long-running campaign against him, which dates back to 2009. Please join us and stand with this family as we call for freedom and justice for Pastor Lorenzo. Please, please do join us. Um, I think we've got some petition sheets at the back, which we'll make sure we're going to get to um, the Cuban embassy as quickly as possible. And on Wednesday, if you can take to Twitter and if you do that kind of thing, free Pastor Lorenzo. Pastor Lorenzo. Um, we believe we will win. You know, the Cuban government want to make an example of him, that they want to put him away for 10 years. We want to make an example of him and say they cannot get away with that kind of, of mistreatment. So please be part of that. So just to close, it's a reminder, you know, this passage is about Jesus redefining the neighborhood for the, for the young lawyer. He explodes that worldview that your neighbors are just those around you, those that are just like you. Um, let's keep asking ourselves the question every day, okay? This, here's your challenge for the week. Here's your challenge for, for the coming season. When you get up, ask Jesus, who, who's my neighbor today, Jesus? Who are you putting in front of me today? Who do I need to be a neighbor to? Who then is my neighbor? And then listen as you go through your day to the response of Jesus. Like, go and do likewise. Go and cross the road. Go and spend yourself on the poor and needy and the broken and the homeless and the, the foreigner and the alien amongst you. Go and do likewise. Thank you again for your support. Thank you for your time. And um, I know we're going to be hanging around at the back after the service to answer any questions. Scott, thank you.